Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. Pastor James Merritt opens every broadcast with this. Teaching people everywhere who Jesus is and why they need him. Today I would like you to uh, be encouraged to do just that. To make it your goal to know who Jesus is. And if you haven't, that you know him today, to know who Jesus is and make that your goal, and that is to show people why they need him. Teaching people everywhere who Jesus is and why they need him. Have you ever wanted to uh, share the gospel with somebody, but you let the opportunity slip away? Has that ever happened to you? Why was that? What happened? What keeps you from sharing the gospel? I found from my own personal experience and my own uh, life, there are 10 reasons why me and among others don't share the gospel with other people. And I'd like to share those 10 reasons with you. First one is fear. You know, once you get used to the idea of sharing the gospel, it gets easier and easier. You know, you might be afraid at first, but then there comes a time when it just comes naturally, and you want to share with other people. You're not fearful anymore, but fear kind of keeps us from sharing the gospel with other people. Secondly, a lack of courage and boldness. We have examples in the Word of God of people who were bold, like Joshua where God says to be bold and to be strong. We have encouragement from others in the New Testament, Peter and John, when they were in prison, and they were amazed at their confidence and their boldness, even though they were beaten and imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. So it might be a lack of courage in your life, a lack of boldness, but we have ways to get over that just by reading the examples in Scripture and also by seeing the examples of others around us who are bold and who are courageous to share the Word of God. A third reason, from my own experience, why often I haven't shared the gospel with other people was that it was difficult to open a conversation with them. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3 says this, Pray that God would open a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. If you have a hard time opening a conversation, just ask God to open the door, and he will. And being a very shy person, growing up with very few friends, always sitting in the back, and I still sit in the back, had uh, low self-esteem, low confidence in myself, not very articulate, hard to talk to other people. 
But I just made myself do it. And once you make yourself do it, God will give you utterance. And you pray, and God, God will do that for you. Another reason why people don't share the gospel is a sense of shame. You know, growing up in a dysfunctional family, father being an alcoholic, I felt ashamed of evangelism. Doesn't mean you shouldn't witness and share your faith. There's our old buddy Rob. Wow. Good to see you, brother, all the way from California. What a blessing. Rob has been a tremendous blessing to us. So you see what I'm saying. The gift of evangelism is given maybe to one person or several people in the body so they can stir you up and teach you how to share your faith. The gift of mercy might be given to someone. You say, that person has a lot of compassion. That person shows a lot of mercy. I want to be like that person. And that person will take you with them when they go to the hospital to visit someone to encourage them to pick, lift them up. And so you learn their gift. And so the idea in Ephesians chapter 4 is that we all come to maturity that's found in Jesus Christ. And so after listing the gifts in chapter 4 of Ephesians, he makes that statement that we all should come to maturity. It should be such that a person cannot pick up on your spiritual gift just by meeting you for the first time because they might get confused. They might think, wow, that person is faithful to share the gospel. He must be an evangelist. But I see that person helping and really involved and working hard. He must have the gift of help. Oh, I see that person showing mercy. He must. And so you don't know their gift immediately. And they might not even tell you what it is because they've learned from other gifted people to do their gift. And then the third reason, we had poor theology. We had, it's not my gift. And then the third reason people don't want to share the gospel is just plain old disobedience. The Bible clearly says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And you might say, well, that was, that was said just to the apostles, but not to everybody else. Well, if that is true, then why did Jesus say, teach them, teach them, telling the apostles to teach them, their disciples, those they had led to the Lord, teach them to do all that I commanded you to do. And so evangelism, sharing the gospel, is for all people. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You know, fishing for the souls of men and women is the great ex- greatest, greatest experience that you could have. Proverbs 11, chapter 30 says this, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Well, let me tell you about my son Paul's first fishing experience. He was seven years old. We moved from a small house to a house on the lake in Miami. I gave him a fishing rod and a purple worm on the end, and I said, cast this out and just reel it in. I taught him how to cast, taught him how to reel in. And when you get a fish, just let me know. So I was in the house, and all of a sudden... I heard the screaming, I got one, I got one, Dad, I got one. And from that time on, he was hooked. He was hooked on fishing. And here he is last Wednesday in Alaska, (laughs) just where Pastor Mike was, catching fish. And so even up to this day, 40 years later, he's out there catching fish. It's a passion of his. 
but he also he loves the Lord and, and his family is a member of uh, First Baptist Church Alpharetta, and he's involved. But he he loves fishing. Thank you for that. So you think Mike can uh, beat that one? Okay, I, I told Mike before he left. I don't want to hear about the one that got away. That doesn't count. Well, let me tell you a story about uh, my fishing experience. When I first turned my life over to the Lord, very young, early 20s, probably about 20, uh, 22, 23, yeah, about 22, came back from Southeast Asia, ended up in Miami, and I didn't have any money, so I sat on the bench at the labor pool waiting to have my name called. My name was called. They found out I had a car. Oh, I want all the guys to go with you. You can drive them to the K-Mark out there in southwest Miami. You guys are going to do some cleanup. And so everybody piled in my car. And we did that every day for a week. And then the last day of the week, I gave this person a ride home. And I just felt this urge and this desire to share the gospel with them. It just it, it overwhelmed me. And I just, while I was driving, I just turned to him. And this is the first time I ever shared the gospel with somebody like this. And I, I turned to him, and I started talking, and I started sharing my testimony and the gospel and how he could know he has eternal life. And I was looking over to my right, and, I was, and when I got to the destination, when I got him home, I looked forward, and it's like, I don't remember how I got here. I don't even know where I am. I don't remember even looking at the road let alone the stop signs or the stoplights. I was just so involved, in sh- and he received Christ as his Savior. And I got one. I got one. I was so excited. I was on cloud nine for, for weeks, just reminiscing that experience, and I just had to do it again and again and again. That's a good thing to get hooked on. Fishing for the souls of men. And so that's what I want for you. I want you to get hooked on evangelism. And I'd like you to open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. First Timothy chapter 1. Verse 7. I'm sorry, it's 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And you might find yourself like this young man, Timothy, and Paul is instructing him about sharing his faith and being bold and being courageous. And he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he says, For God has not given us the spirit of timidity. And that's a very rare word used in the Greek, and it's found only a couple times in Scripture. And it means cowardice, cowardice. God has not given us a spirit of timidity or cowardice, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be afraid and don't be ashamed, but rather be bold and be strong 
and share your faith. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to be bold, to be strong, not to be afraid, and not to be ashamed. Get over all of that and go out and tell people about Jesus. He wants us to be, first of all, in your notes, to be prepared for action. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says this. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then later on, and you can put up the scripture, number one. Later on, in chapter 2, verse 9, he says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you might, and look at that word, proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Did you know that you are a priest? Every person who believes in Jesus Christ is a priest. You're the believer priest. And as a priest, you have to have a sacrifice. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a priest. And also, if you're a priest, you have to have an altar. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to perform your priestly duties. And so, how am I going to understand my priesthood unless it's explained to me? Well, it is explained to you. Turn to Hebrew, Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 13. And I want to show you exactly who you are in Christ Jesus as a priest and as a servant. I'm going to begin by looking at the last two verses of chapter 12. And it says, Therefore, since we have a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And then you move down to verse 10, and it says, we have an altar. So being a priest, we know that you're a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, so you are a priest. And now he's going to show us that we have an altar. And then later on in this chapter, he's going to show us what we put on that altar. And so, first of all, let's see where the altar is. It's not up here in front of me. We don't have an altar. But the altar you're going to see in just a moment. Verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus, and that's where our altar is, our altar is a person. Therefore, Jesus, that he might sanctify the people 
through his own blood suffered outside the gate. And here it is, verse 13. So let us go out to him outside the gate bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. And so if we have an altar, then what do we put on the altar? So you're a priest, you have an altar, the altar is Jesus. So what do we put on the altar? Well, let's go a little further in verse 15. Through him, that's through Jesus, then let us continually offer up the sacrifice of praise. So that's one thing that we laid on the altar just a little while ago. The sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. So Matt and the band, they're priests, offering up a sacrifice of praise, and we are doing that as well as a congregation. Let's look at another sacrifice. Verse 16, And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So doing good and sharing with other people is a sacrifice that pleases God. And that's what we ought to have. Our ambition ought to be to be pleasing to him. And then there's another sacrifice that's relevant to what we're talking about today, and that's found in Romans chapter 15. In Romans chapter 15, Paul, seeing that he's a priest, is laying up a sacrifice. In verse 16, and Paul says, beginning in verse 15, but I have written very boldly to you on some points, so as to remind you again, because of the grace that was given to me from God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering to the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And so if you are fulfilling your duty as a priest, you are going to offer up the sacrifice of praise you're going to offer up to Jesus the sacrifice of doing good and sharing. And you're going to offer up the sacrifice of sharing the gospel with other people. And then you have performed your proper duties as a priest. And that's for all of us and not just for some. <clears throat> the second point here in this outline is do not be afraid. So be prepared for action, knowing who you are, that you have a job to do, and that you have your offering, and you're ready to present that offering to God, then you are to do this without fear. And then we see again, number three, be ready to give an answer. First Peter chapter 3 says, sanctify the Lord in your hearts, always being ready to give an answer to everyone ask you a reason of the hope that's in you. You should have an answer. If it's only your personal testimony, if someone says, well, why are you Christian? How do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? Why do you know that you're right and everybody else is wrong? And you, we never want to imply that. Let them glean that from what your, your testimony and from the word of God. But we want to have an answer. And even if you're just a beginner, if you never shared your shared the gospel with another person, you can just begin by telling your testimony, and that might be enough. The person might have not have any other questions, but how do you do it? How did you do it? 
So have an answer. And then as you learn the Word of God, if they come up with more difficult answers, you'll be ready to answer those questions. So it's a command to be ready to have an answer for every man to ask you a reason of the hope that is in you. And don't be ashamed. First Peter says if we suffer for doing what is wrong, we could be ashamed. But if we suffer for doing what is right, we don't have to be ashamed. And then, number five, represent the gospel as an ambassador. Second Corinthians chapter five. Let's look there just for a moment. Second Corinthians chapter five. Beginning in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That job to point people to Christ has been given to you. It's given to us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, and this is what it is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he has committed to us, to me, to you, the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are, you are, I am, an ambassador for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. So God's speaking to us, appealing to the hearts of men. Through us, we beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so not only are we ambassadors for Christ, but God has prepared the way for us. Number six, he has gone ahead in advance. Now, how has God gone ahead in advance to prepare the ground for you to witness to them. Here's how. <clears throat> in John chapter 16, it says the whole world, and that means all men, believers, unbelievers, the whole world is convicted of three things, of sin, because they do not believe, of righteousness, because there's a moral absolute, and of judgment, because there's a pending judgment, and all men know that they're going to be judged. Even on their deathbed, an atheist might say, my God, where did that come from? It came from the innate knowledge of sin, righteousness, and judgment that God puts in the hearts and minds of all men. It's there. So when you're talking to that person, you don't have to convince them of sin. You don't have to convince them of a moral absolute. You don't have to convince them of pending judgment. They already know that. If they have rejected it, they willfully rejected it. And that's a hard nut to crack. But God is preparing people for you to talk to. And this is how he says to prepare them in advance so that you can share the gospel. So you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be intimidated by their tough questions. But you can know that. And then there's one other thing, another way that God has prepared the hearts and minds of men before you even go and talk to them. In Romans chapter 1, it says, because of the creation of the world, the things invisible about God, his eternal power, his Godhead, because of the creation of the world, we can see the invisible things of God. The moon, the stars, the sun, the sky, creation. And it says, because of this, they are without excuse. But when they knew God, they didn't glorify him, God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their own imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the image 
of God into something corruptible. So you can rest assured that they're convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and that they know there is a God, and they, they have to know him before they reject him. And that's the truth, and that's in the Bible. And so we have God preparing the hearts. There's two things that have to be uh, necessary for effective evangelism. First, you have to be a vessel fit and ready for the master's use, filled with the Spirit, wanting to tell people about Jesus Christ, not ashamed, be bold. You have to prepare yourself. And so God prepares you. And then the second thing necessary for an effective evangelistic outcome would be God is preparing the heart of this unsaved person. And so when both of those two to come together, your willing heart to tell people about Jesus and your testimony and your obedience to him and them being convicted of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and that there is a God, and they want to know God, and he puts those two together, you have effective evangelism. And you're not just talking to a rock. You're talking to a real person that God has already spoken to. So he has gone before you in advance. So be prepared, because Satan doesn't like this. Number seven in our notes, be prepared to be attacked. Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then, number eight, wear the proper attire. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel and bring glad tidings. Or as the ladies say, wear the right shoes. And then number nine, also in Ephesians, be on the alert with all prayer at all times. Be on the alert. And then in number 10 in your notes, adjust your lifestyle. Adjust your lifestyle. Paul says, I have become all things of all men that I may gain the more. You might have to put something aside or not flaunt something that would distract them or even intimidate them. But you want to become all things to all men that you may gain the more. John, and I'm going to close with this last scripture, John chapter 17, because this is like the most powerful message about our responsibility as Christians to get the gospel out. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father. This is truly the Lord's prayer. God speaking to the Father just before he went to the cross, John chapter 17. And I want to look at two verses here just very quickly, and we won't spend a lot of time on it. But this, is, uh, this drives home the point that it's everybody's responsibility to share the gospel. Jesus said in verse 4, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, our major reason for existing is to glorify God. But practically on this earth, we glorify him through having accomplished the work that he has given to us. And so the Father says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And Jesus came to do the work of the cross, to seek and to save those which are lost. That's what he did. And so he glorified the Father, having accomplished the work. Now remember, having accomplished the work that the Father gave him to do. And then he says... In verse 18, he's praying for us, and he says, As you have sent me into the world, this is Jesus saying to God, God, just like you sent me into the world, how, how was Jesus sent into the world? Verse 4, to glorify him, having accomplished the work that he's given him to do. So we are sent into the world to, 
by having accomplished the work that he's given us to do. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And what is that purpose? What is that purpose? That purpose is found in the next few verses. For their sake, I am sancti- I sanctify to myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their, their word. So for those who will believe in Jesus through your word, that's the, that's the work that he's given you to do, to accomplish. So as Jesus was sent into the world, so I send them into the world. And then he repeats it again, just to make sure we get it. Verse 21, that they may be one, all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. There again, that's our mission, that the world would believe. And then he says it a third time, just to make sure we understand our purpose and why we're here. He says in verse 23, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. And so that our purpose to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus ascended into heaven, gave us the power to do us. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be ashamed. We can be bold. We can be courageous and we can get the job done that God has given us to do. Amen? Amen. Be strong. Be bold. For the Lord thy God is with you. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us and you just didn't give us this job to do on our own, but we, we don't do it. We just point people to Jesus and you have designed that that's how the message is going to get out. And so, Father, I pray that you keep us faithful to the reason that we're here, why we're called. You also said in John chapter 17 and another verse that you don't pray that we are taken out of the world, but we are just kept from the evil one. And Father, keep us from evil, keep us from the wrong things that would thwart this ministry of reconciliation. Father, I pray that we'd all be evangelists in our own way with the contacts that you have given us and just see how that, how that um, pans out for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.